They must be the kinds of words that build relationships rather than bring them down. They must be words of love. They speak the language of love. That is our theme for the sermon this afternoon. And then we will look at three things. First of all, the importance of speech. Secondly, the danger of speech. And finally, the blessings of speech. They speak the language of love. Do you know why the Lord Jesus died? Sure she did. But he died for no other reason than to reestablish the lines of communication with our Father in heaven and also with one another. Christ opened up the way to God. And he had to pay an enormous price for that. And so it is important that he did so. Why? Well, because when God created man, he created him to be in a covenant relationship with him. As soon as man took a breath, God spoke to him and gave him the ability to respond. Man is not alive unless he can communicate. God spoke and we became living creatures. He spoke again and he blessed us. He spoke and he made a covenant with us and he made wonderful promises. Through speech, he connects with us. And through speech, we can also connect with our fellow man. Fellowship is important. That was clear from the beginning. Adam felt alone and God said to him, it is not good for a man to be alone. And God gave him a marriage partner with whom he could have companionship. And God created in Adam and Eve the desire to belong together and to do things together. And together they had to subdue the earth and to be fruitful and multiply. They had to populate the earth. And by giving them the ability to speak to one another, he gave them the ability to cooperate in these things. They could collaborate on what by speaking. But it was not enough to have communion just with one's marriage partner. No, God also created a larger community. He gave them children. Together they form a family that works together and collaborates together and speak together. And he created a larger community yet, the community of believers, all those who want to glorify God. Since the fall into sin, fellowship with one another more difficult. Man used this ability to plan and to do things together for the wrong purposes. And that's what happened when they wanted to build that great tower. The Tower of Babylon. The Tower of Babel. For the celebration they made it for the celebration of man's abilities rather than to God's glory. And that's when God confused their tongues. God broke down that fellowship with man because it was false fellowship. And so for us, it is important to consider what God's norm is with regard to fellowship. It's important to note right off the bat that ultimately, fellowship with one another has no meaning outside of our fellowship with the Lord God. And therefore, all our communications have to reflect that. For God sets the standard. 
that's what the ninth commandment is all about. This commandment teaches us about false witness against our neighbor. The Jews during New Testament times restricted one's neighbor to someone who belongs to their own people and someone who belonged to the same religion as they. As far as they were concerned, a foreigner could never be considered your neighbor. He doesn't even come close. But who does the Lord Jesus say our neighbor is? Well, in this parable about the Good Samaritan, he teaches us that anyone with whom you come into contact is your neighbor. That was also taught in the Old Testament. It says, for example, in Leviticus 19, verse 10, that you should make sure that even the alien is looked after. You should also be allowed to pick up the graves that have fallen to the ground. God tells us to be concerned about the well-being of all men, even though they are not of the same nation or of the same religion. We must be kind to all men. We may not discriminate. Consequently, what you say to your neighbor takes on great importance. You have to be very careful with your words, whether you are the accuser or the accused. It is then especially when the truth has to be spoken. And that is the language of love. The person may not be wrongly convicted and dealt with. Guilt or innocence has to be carefully established. It says in Leviticus 19, verse 15, do not pervert justice, do not show partiality to the poor, or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. If justice is not done, then fellowship with each other is broken. Words are important. They can be dangerous. We come to the second point. From the trial of the Lord Jesus, we can see how dangerous false testimony is. False views of your tongue. It was on the basis of false witnesses that the Lord Jesus was condemned. In Matthew 26, verse 60, we read that many false witnesses came forward. In the parallel message of Mark, we find that the testimony of those false witnesses did not agree, and so they had to be rejected. But the accusers, in their own perverted way, found enough evidence to be able to convict him. And therefore, Christ was innocently put to death. Note well, however, that the one witness whom they did believe did, in a certain sense, tell the truth. He said, this fellow, referring to the Lord Jesus, said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Indeed, the Lord Jesus had spoken those words. But what does this false witness do? He twists Jesus' words. He takes them out of context. He gives these words a twist so that they no longer reflect the significance of the words of the Lord Jesus. That, brothers and sisters, is the sin against the ninth commandment. That is the way of the world. Ultimately, the Lord Jesus was killed because of the twisting of the word by false accusers. It was their intent to kill him. And that was the intent of the Pharisees and all those who were against the Lord Jesus. They were eager, therefore, to believe the worst about him, for they wanted him out of their sight. 
they wanted him removed from the land of the living. They hated him. And with their vicious tongues, they caused him to put to death, to be put to death. They wanted no relationship with him. And through the poison of their tongues, they killed him. Generally speaking, the bearing of false witness does not result in instant death. But it always does result in wrongly isolating someone from the community. You do not want a certain person any longer to be part of your group. And so you save the person in order to remove him or her. We all do that. It belongs to our sinful nature. There are always some people that we don't like or that we are afraid of and whom we would like to exclude. By the wrong use of our tongue, we want to bring that about. We start suddenly when we are young. And so let me first of all address the young children of this congregation. After all, the catechism is especially written for you. And so, children, and all the young members of this congregation, I hope you listen. How do you use your tongues? How do you treat somebody that you don't like? How do you treat someone who perhaps has done something to you in the past that you don't like and you want revenge? Or maybe a person that's different from you. Maybe he or she looks funny or acts funny and you don't really want anything to do with him or her. Or maybe a new person comes into the group and you are jealous and he or she gets attention. Do you then say nasty things about them so that others don't like them either? So that in this way you can exclude that person from the group? Or perhaps you don't do that yourself, but somebody else does that. And you don't say anything. You just go along with it. Or maybe you do it through Facebook or other social media. For you see, God gives us the ability to communicate not just with our mouths, but with our tongue and with our fingers. For with our fingers, we can form words. We can communicate also through gestures and through facial expressions. You know that when you treat someone in an unkind way, and then you are bullying such a person, Bullying is a big problem in this society and is being addressed in numerous ways. It is a horrible way of treating others. It happens in the world. But it also happens amongst us, doesn't it? Yet if there is one thing that it shouldn't happen amongst is us as Christians. For we of all people are supposed to be kind and loving and forgiving. Listen to what the Catechism says on the basis of God's word. It tells us not to gossip or slander, not to condemn or join in condemning anyone rashly or unheard. For when you do that, you break fellowship with others. The Lord warns us in Leviticus 19 verse 16, do not go about spreading slander among your people. 
of musicians, boys and girls, we are all guilty of slander. We hear something about another person and we gladly pass it on. That's our nature, isn't it? Sometimes it is done without any real malice, and at other times it is done out of hatred or envy or resentment or indifference about another person. Do you know what the problem is? The problem is with our hearts. As it says in Leviticus 19, verse 17, do not hate your brother in your heart. Sin against the ninth commandment arises from the heart. When we gossip and slander, then our hearts are not right. There is something seriously wrong inside of us. It shows how selfish we are. There are many reasons why people gossip and slander. The only way you can stop yourself from doing that is by examining your own heart. The Bible says that our heart is deceitful and totally corrupt. When we tell lies, then we lie not only over against our neighbor and over against God, but then you also lie against yourself. Do you ever think about that? We lie to ourselves when we deny how corrupt we really are. It's easy for us to point fingers at other people and to speak up about how insensitive that they have been to me or to my children. And that now that gives us enough reason to speak badly about them. People are being unkind here in this church. And so now I have reason to isolate myself from them or to walk away from them or to speak badly about them. Now I can keep my children away from them. Well, if that's what you think, then you are just as guilty, if not more so. Do you know what you do when you only see others in their bad behavior? Then you act as if you yourself and your own children are not fallen creatures. That your own children don't do these things. Everybody else does, but not my son not my daughter, well, we're all corrupt. And if that's our attitude, then you have to look at your own heart and teach your children also to look at their heart. If that is how you speak about your brothers and sisters in the Lord, then you too sin against the ninth commandment. Brothers and sisters, we are all part of the problem. I am part of the problem too. Start with ourselves. We have to examine ourselves every day and to repent. If you are listening to this sermon and hoping that somebody else is hearing it, then you have already missed the whole point of what God is saying to you this afternoon. Note how catechism makes this a personal thing. I First person singular is used all the time throughout the catechism. Don't think that he is just speaking about somebody else, no, about you. He is speaking to you and to me directly. We 
examine ourselves to see how we are buying from the problem. The church community is supposed to be the healing community. And it is my job and your job to make sure that it happens. For you see, God has already made that a reality to his son. He made us one with each other through the Lord Jesus Christ. That was a good fast. That's why we celebrated the Lord's Supper together. Now you have to live out of that reality. You have to put that into practice. You have to practice to be one. You and I have to become what we already are in Christ. And so we have to constantly examine ourselves and speak the language of love. Every time you say something about another person, you have to ask yourself, why am I saying this? Whose name am I honoring when I say this or that about another person? Am I trying to maintain or establish a relationship? Or am I trying to break it down? Am I building walls? Or am I tearing it down? The Lord God gives us some very specific instructions. He says in Leviticus 19, verse 18, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Relationships are maintained and established when you love your neighbor as yourself. James says in his letter, chapter 3, verse 9, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. In other words, it is not possible to do both. You cannot, on the one hand, praise the Lord and Father, and on the other hand, curse men. No, you must bless or praise them with your words and actions. That brings us to the third point. The word bless and praise are the same in the original languages. To bless someone means to, means to speak well of him or her. That is what God does to you and to me. He blesses us. When we began this church service together this afternoon, that God through the minister pronounced his blessings upon you. You know what that means? That means that he speaks well of you. And he does that throughout the whole church service. Indeed, he does that throughout your whole life. And that means that in spite of the fact that you sin against him all the time, nevertheless, he regards you kindly. If he were not to do that, then you would not have a relationship with him. How else does he speak well of you? He does that, that he, will, that he makes a covenant with you that he will never break. For his promises are sure. And he does not want you to work away from his promises. And what does he promise you? He promises you the forgiveness of sins. It is only because of the forgiveness of sins that we can have a relationship with him. Because we are so self-centered in the things we say and do, we do not uphold the reputation of the Lord our God, do we? 
we say and do evil things against him all the time, even though we do not realize it. Nevertheless, he forgives us. And he forgives us. Why? So that we can also forgive others. He wants us to be in a covenant relationship with each other. Love, brothers and sisters, does not keep a record of wrongdoings. Do you love one another? Do you love your brothers and sisters in the Lord? Then you should bless them. You should speak well of them whenever you can. The Lord God blesses you by telling you time and again how much he loves you. He reminds you in numerous ways that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That is God's great gift of love. At first he spoke those words to you. His words proceed his actions. That's how he establishes and maintains a relationship with us. You and I, we have to do the same thing. The Catechism also puts it in a very positive way. It says, I must love the truth, speak and confess it honestly, and do what I can to defend and promote my neighbor's honor and reputation. That's what Christ does before the Father. There, he speaks well of you. He speaks the truth about you. He says to the father, that child is someone whom I bought with my blood. I paid the penalty for him, for her, for my sake. I want you to accept him as, or her as one of your children. And I do not want have any harm come to that person. I want you to forget all the that he or she has ever done in his or her life and to have him or her live with you forever. That is how the Lord Jesus Christ speaks about you before our Father in heaven. Your Lord and Savior does not want you to come to any harm. He wants you to maintain the relationship with him. Now, our relationship with God is not just a one-way relationship. It's a two-way relationship. It is possible for us to walk away from God. It's also possible for us to walk away from each other. And that happens when we do not want a relationship with God. And then we do not want a relationship with others that belong to God. For you see, you cannot separate God from his people. It's a very serious matter when you walk away from one another, or then you walk away from God. For that reason, the Lord God gives us many instructions in his word. He tells us that we must warn each other. In Leviticus 19, verse 17, it says, Rebuke your neighbor frankly, so you will not share in his guilt. You have a duty to hold against your neighbor. You must rebuke him in love. But it takes a lot of wisdom know how to do that. You have to study God's word. You have to look at how God deals with you. And you have to pray for God's Holy Spirit to guide you how to admonish your brother or sister in the Lord. But you can only do that with 
first, you have to look at yourself. You're humble. You have to know God's will in this case. And but you also have to know the other person. You have to know where that other person comes from so that you will know what to say. You have to know how to approach him or her. Tell about Nathan the prophet, don't you? Nathan the prophet is the one who accused King David after his sin with Bathsheba. But how does he do that? Well, he tells him a parable. And through the telling of that parable, he had David condemn himself. That took wisdom. It took patience. For Nathan came to him at a time when David wasn't ripe to make that confession. When you rebuke someone, you have to think about how you can keep your neighbor in a relationship with God and yourself. You don't do it because you want to get something off your chest. You do it because you love your brother or your sister. A rebuke can never be done out of irritation or selfish motives. No, it always has to be done with the welfare of your neighbor in mind. That is what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. That is what it means to fulfill also this commandment. Words are important. They're very powerful. They can establish relationships and they can break them. Be careful how you use words. Don't be a clanging cymbal. Don't be a noisy gong. Words are more than just noises emanating from your throat. They are powerful. Be careful how you speak to those who are close to you. Be careful how you treat your neighbor. The way you bless others will also be the way the Lord blesses you. Without his blessings and without each other's blessings, there is no fellowship, no fellowship with God, and no fellowship with each other. That means death. And so instead, opt for life. Opt for life with God and your neighbor. And then God will also bless you. 